Namaste. So today we read a poem of Shirobindo. I don't know every time I say beautiful poem because everything of Shirobindo is beautiful. Uh, this poem is about rebirth. So there is something called as birth. Birth for us is a baby which is born. but that's not how spiritual consciousness regards it birth is the self limitation of the infinite so birth is means a form and a name and form and name imply a self limitation so birth is a limitation of the infinite everything that we see as form and name is in its truth infinite but if we look on the surface it is finite so birth is a self limitation of nay of the infinite in terms of form and name what is rebirth rebirth is the continuity of the infinite through a number of finite forms so it leaves a form takes up another leaves a form takes up another and what is new birth new birth is when the finite when we take when the consciousness takes a finite form it identifies with it and thinks it is finite but new birth is when the finite consciousness discovers its own infinity that's what happens when we come before mother and shirobindo before any proper spiritual master he makes us aware of our infinity that gives a freedom at once from many things because you discover you you don't die there is nothing like death the moment you discover infinity you know there is nothing like death because bodies break come back break come back so this poem is about rebirth now for rebirth there are many theories as we know each sees an angle of vision for example the communist theory of rebirth is it's about reward and punishment well not exactly though something like that does exist in this creation but it's not the way we understand reward and punishment reward and punishment is normally understood that you go to a court and the judge gives a command and you know depending on the command you are sentenced but the reward and punishment that is inbuilt within nature is something very simple direct instantaneous in a way so when we do a deed which is done from a very narrow state of consciousness what happens the consciousness becomes limited and when it becomes limited it loses the delight of existence as simple as that existence is delight so when you lose the delight of existence you enter into a state of grief or sorrow when you are in a state of sorrow because there is a need within us for joy you try to grab joy in any which way so you can't get the uh, that delight instantaneously though there is a way to get it so you start by holding on to pleasure so people who are very small very narrow they run after pleasures because they can't imagine the vastness so they'll run after this pleasure that pleasure because that's the way they try to get it's like clutch at something but naturally pleasure cannot last and it's a mercy it's a tremendous grace that it cannot last so that we evolve we go to the next level next level like that and progresses so this is the instant reward and punishment there is something called as cosmic justice that is a different thing altogether when we have engaged in a very gory act which is you know very which has had repercussions upon everybody around then it does hit back at some point of time and it hits back basically to make the soul wake up from its torpor so what happens in a gory act the soul has just given an in, indifferent sanction it is asleep it's not that it has sanctioned knowingly it is asleep it's like somebody is in sleep and you know 
someone comes knocking at your door and asks, Acha, shall I do it? And you are in too much of sleep and you say, okay. Why? Because you don't want to enter into a deep uh, <laughs> engagement and argument. And the person goes and does it. And then you realize when you wake up that this is not what I meant. So we were asleep. We were unconscious. So then the soul has to be woken up by the shock of some, some kind of an event. So that is something else which is called as cosmic justice. But that also doesn't operate like a typical reward and punishment. So the idea of reward and punishment as getting material gifts or you know being born poor, that is absurd. Because that would mean that God also values those things. So somebody who had been a very nice person in one life will be given a lot of material gifts. God cares to, you know, hoots for it. And in fact, as the mother puts it, that it is much more difficult. She says, you know what, being rich is often a curse. And she says it's what is written in the Bible is true, that it is much more difficult to make a, a rich man turn to God than to make a camel pass through the eye of the needle. It's told the other way that it's easier to make a camel pass through the eye of a needle than to make a rich man turn to God. So we think that it is God's reward. But she says it's a curse. So our understanding of values, of rebirth, but the biggest question is, if it is about reward and punishment, then what need had soul to enter into this realm at all? It was happy with God. Why it had to enter into this karmic law and karmic cycle? Who would condemn it to all this pain and pleasure and all this learning? So we have missed a point there. The second theory about rebirth is that, you know, after some 84 lakh yonis, you realize God. So the process of rebirth is you start from the material level to plant to animal life and eventually become human being. So human life is given to realize God. Now, there is a truth again in this that there is no doubt human life is very special. It is also true that only human beings can do conscious yoga, which is obviously not about postures because if it is about postures, then, uh, you know, all the animals do wonderful postures. They all should have become real. All the postures you see, all asanas are named like that, no? Matsyasana, Kurmasana, Bhujangasana. All of them are named after uh, animals, many of them. So they would have, uh, and the best of all, Shavasan, Python does Shavasan, you know, for one month. So they would have all realized God, you know, like Kabir Das puts it very beautifully, Pahan puje hari mile to me puja paad. If by worshipping a stone you can find hari, then I would worship a mountain. Now, of course, worship, you can worship anything and find the divine. That's the other part. It's not against worship. But the idea is that it is not just the fact of doing something outwardly. It is the inner state that matters. So the whole problem with this second theory is, however, that if to realize God is the only purpose, then why we entered into this drama? We were already with God. Why all this? All this pain, struggle, suffering, at the end of it, I want, you have to realize God. Whether you call it moksha or you call it, uh, you know, union with God. So we have missed something. And that something which we have missed, Shurabindu brings out very powerfully. He says, no, creation is born out of delight. And what delight? Delight of manifestation. So creation and our journey through life is to manifest the delight, which is inherent in existence. And... Therefore, we have come to become more and more ready, fit vehicles and instruments to express delight in manifold ways. So, all creation is a manifestation and a manifestation of what? Delight. 
So creation is about manifesting delight. The soul is takes a human body and all the bodies to manifest delight. And the delight is in proportion to the form and name. Whatever is the limitation according to that. If you ask an, you know, python or python-like human being, what gives you most delight? He will say sleeping. And somebody should come and give food into my mouth. Ajgar kare na chakari, panchi kare na kaam. He'll say, that's my delight. You ask a deer what gives you delight. Oh, I love to roam on the plains. You ask a tiger what gives you delight. Oh, when I leap upon and catch a prey, it gives me delight. So delight also changes as we evolve in. You ask a human being what gives you delight. Human, not bina singh wala pashu. But a true human, he gets delight by thought because human beings are thinkers. Manu. So human beings take delight and joy, joy in thinking. But of course, there is something beyond humanity and that's when the soul awakens, then the delight is in the divine. But finding God is a prerequisite to manifesting delight. Because unless you have found the infinite divine, you cannot manifest divine uh, uh, delight. So basically, it's a two-way process. To find the divine is the first step. But to fulfill the divine in life, to manifest him is the second step. The Kenupanishad and Ishupanishad. So this is the background. With this background, we'll read this wonderful poem, Rebirth. So Rebirth, page 213. It is a little longish poem. So first of all, why there is rebirth? Well, delight is infinite. How can you exhaust it in one life? Look at the answer Shabinda is giving. <laughs> of course, this one life business is one of the most unthinking kind of thing. Because to say that one life is all you have and you start with whatever, up, some people are ahead in the race, some are behind, even in terms of goodness. And to say that after one life, suddenly you will be just. Many of them are lying in grave, you know that. One day they will be raised and they will be just. So people, that's why you see philosophies who have believed there is only one life. They become very destructive towards a point of time. You know why? Because they, apart from many other reasons, the belief is that one day we will be judged and raised up from the grave. What is the criteria for judgment? Your belief in a particular master or guru or cult. Right? So now the more you delay, the more painful it is because you are lying in the grave for a long time. You want to wake up soon. So... It is the urge to find God but taking a very, uh, you know, distorted form. That you are waiting in the grave with all your ancestors, bag of bones, waiting one day that you, the, when the world ends, then only you can go. So end the world, end the world, end the world. Sooner the better. Because my ticket has been cut. Don't worry about others. But that's not how the Sanatan Dharma, the Hindus looked at life. And of course, Buddhists and uh, Sikhs who are also Jains who are born, extensions of the, uh, the Sanatan Dharma which was, uh, took birth and grew in this soil. So that is the difference between you know all the religions which took roots in India and those which came transported from outside. So what is this rebirth? Not soon is God's delight in us completed, nor with one life we end, Termlessly in us are our spirits seated, a termless joy intent. Look at the power of the words. What we are looking for is termless joy. Where came this uh, illusionist philosophy? Oh, with tired hands and you know, knees bent. Oh, this world, 
dukhna sansar, you know, let us leave it. This is not the ancient Aryan culture. We are warriors. Death means nothing for us. Hundred times, thousand times we don't mind coming back to fulfill God's will within us. This is the, so termless joy. Our souls and heaven are of an equal stature. Who said we are inferior to God's? We are meant to be even greater than the gods. That's why even they, they are a bit worried, you know. Why is it when human beings do some tapasya, even Indra ka asan, you know, start shaking? There is a tsunami out there because he knows these guys can actually go beyond us. And mother says, it is given to human beings to come in direct contact with the supreme. Even the gods cannot. And the number of stories within Indian mythology where... The man of realization, the yogi, even the gods, you know, are away from him because they know that this person has something. Of course, a realized person. But we have forgotten it, so we have to be taught the lesson of humility. That's why mother says that why we had to fall from that status of the gods. Because we had to learn the lesson of humility. Unlike those who are typal beings, they are comfortable there. Even gods have to take a human body and come in contact with the human aspiration if they have to upgrade their capacity and possibilities. Our souls and heaven are of an equal stature and have a dateless birth. Takes away all the thing about, out of, you know, uh, born on this date, death on this date. The birthday has a significance. That will come later. We'll read it probably next week. But not the way we understand so we have a dateless birth, several bodies we have come. The unending seed, the infinite mold of nature, they were not made on earth. So the soul and heaven, they are not made from earth. So what it means is, see, normally we are told that everything is made of panchitattvas. This comes from the Sankhya philosophy. Panchitattvas are part of the nature. But the soul, the Purusha, even in Sankhya, where this multiplicity of Purushas comes, is not, it can identify with it, but it can separate from it. That's why it is said in the Gita that the air cannot dry it, the water cannot uh, make it wet, the fire cannot burn it. Now why, why use this analogy? It sounds a little awkward. Why use this analogy? The weapons cannot cleave it. It means that it is something which is not composed of these elements. If it was made up of these elements, it would be destroyed. It would be absorbed into that. But the soul in man is not made up of these elements. Nor, and it, you know, it's the unending seed. So it's like, you know, when you put a little seed in a little space, then you take it out, you put it another, in another pot, then you take it out. When it grows up into a tree, you put it in a much vaster field. So something similar happens with us. Nor to the earth do they bequeath their ashes, but in themselves they last. An endless future brims beneath thy lashes, child of an endless past. So all the soothsayers, all those who talk about future, what do they see? What is going to happen after one year, two years, ten years? Look at the vastness of Shurbindo. Endless future. What is our future in one Word, if one has to ask, our future is to become divine. Our future is to manifest divine. No, no, sir, please tell me after 10 years. Whatever, even that is taking me closer to that. 
This is the original Vedanta that everything is taking us towards that. What we call as good and what we call as bad. In Savitri he says, no. Whether it seem good or evil to men's eyes, only for good the eternal will can work. Everything is being carried towards that supreme grand culmination. So we are child of an endless past. Old memories come to us, old dreams invade us. Lost people we have known, fictions and pictures, but their frames evade us. They stand out bare, alone. So now he's giving us the landscape through which we move. And it also makes us inwardly free. Because we think those who are in this life are the only ones. We don't know. We are children of an ageless past. How many, in how many ways? And they come into our life. Today we may say somebody is my sister. In another life, the person may be your mother. How are you going to deal with that? Somebody may be your so-called enemy in this life. But enemy means a secret attraction. In next life, he becomes your friend. Now, he'll still behave like an enemy probably. <laughs> but this life, the roles are of friends. Destiny is given, be friends. Not only that, be together. Now, you know, you have no choice. <laughs> so, this is how, no, destiny has a great sense of humor. You know, if we look at life with a sense of humor, it's wonderful. <laughs> we become too serious about life. If you look at it with a sense of humor, sometimes this humor goes into absurd levels. As uh, Shubhinda once recounts a story, I have also heard a similar story as a child that, you know, there is a man's son and he falls sick at a young age and then all he tries, everything, but ultimately he is on deathbed. So father says, so much I have tried, the whole money I have finished, but I couldn't save him. And the son looks into his eyes and says, remember, Last life you had cheated me, robbed me of all my money. I came to finish your money. This story is very perverse by the way. You know, Somebody who takes on this to rob of money, obviously it's an exaggerated story. That's how Shurabinda puts it. It's becoming too mathematical an account of rebirth. That's not how it operates. But the relations may change completely. That's why the safest course is be friendly to everyone. Because then you are in a safe net. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> actually they, there are no enemies. Because when you live in the Lord, all are friends, wonderful friends. But we don't recognize because their frames have changed. They come in new forms. So we don't know. We suddenly meet the joy. But it's very interesting. You know, It gives the joy of the unexpected. It's like, you know, some friend I remember once my very... Close buddy in uh, FMC days, and uh, suddenly we lost track. Every night we used to take a walk and share very profound philosophical things. Both of us had, uh, had similar inclinations, and he went to New York psychiatry and all that. And I stayed back, joined Air Force. Then we we met once casually, then no communication, nothing. After twenty years, one day that land landline days, I was to go to America, and I get a call from him. Yeah, look, I, I hear you're coming to the US. I said, yeah. So will you be coming to New York? I said, yeah. Who is speaking? He said, I'm Kurmita. I said, oh my God, it's such a joy. You know, after 20 years, joy of the unexpected. And it was such a joy to go and meet him. Now here the uh, outer life had changed. 
I mean, he had obviously put on an accent, but inner thing was so beautiful that on a drive we were uh, listening to Jabji and again involved with the same beautiful things. So I asked him passingly just to share a reminiscence. I said, so how's the yoga going on? Because he also had interest in uh, all this and uh, he said, uh, I don't know, but can one ever stop it once it starts? I said, yeah, that's, that's so true. So this is the joy of the unexpected. There is a great, tremendous beauty in that which he forgets. So new frames. Now you are trying to figure out. You recognize something but you don't know. So this is the beauty of this. Yet all we dream and hope our memories treasured. Our forecasts we misspell. There is within that memory a forecast of the future. Which we have not understood. So we misspell because that's invariably between the original divine will we add something called as desire. So what happens when we add desire that original will gets a little deflected. And then to desire we add ego. Then it gets a little more deflected. So ultimately in one life we cannot fulfill what the divine intended. So it breaks down. Then we come back again. Once again the new attempt. So this is how it is. Yet all we dream and hope our memories treasured, our forecasts we misspell. But of what life was seen, he who has measured, the boundless heavens can tell. Someone like Shurabindu who had measured the heavens and earth in a single gaze. You could go to him, he could tell. There are so many stories of Mother and Shurabindu. They could see and tell how they you know, reconnected with people, people who were in their past. We know how when Dara, what was his name? Sheikh, Sayyad. So when he came and goes to meet the mother and mother says, Dara, you have come. Mother, my name is not Dara. Ah, I know, you are Dara. You are Dara. The Persian king who wrote beautiful Upanishad, Saurangzeb, Salta brother. So they could see, because they could see the old connection. Charu Chandradat, Shurbindo says, Yes, yes, he is one of those with whom uh, we have fought together battle of the ages. In this life, we, I could not call him my own preoccupations, I suppose. He is not blaming him. And also because the work to be done was of a different nature. Then Dilip Kumar Roy, we often say that Dilip Kumar Roy, why he was such a special recipient whom I have cherished as my friend and son. Go back into the past. In records of Yoga, Shirobindo writes certain past lives of people. When it comes to Dilip Kumar Roy, Shirobindo writes Hector. You know Hector? Shirobindo is Paris. He gave his life to save Paris. Younger brother. So I have cherished you as a brother. And now because he is born like this and a son, because he cared for Paris like a brother and son. He came and he fought against Achilles. He knew it is death. But he saved Paris. <laughs> Though it's different that when Dilip Kumar Roy came to know this, he was very sad. Oh, where is Achilles? He took me around, tying on his chariot. Seven days he was roaming around. So he, you know, those memories come back. So in several lives we have been together. Why we fight? The joy of that. Time is a strong convention. Future and present, we are living in the past. So, live in the present, yes, live in the eternal moment. Not live in the present means 
I feel spontaneously, I feel like, you know, uh, slapping someone, I do it. This kind, one has to understand, living in the present doesn't mean that. Eternal moment. Now, eternal moment means the highest, where the past and the future meet. There is a state in which they are together. But, you see, it's very easy to understand this triple time vision. Any author who writes, you ask him that, what are you going to write? There is a state in which the authors go through a phase called estrus. Estrus is when you know a chick is being formed inside the womb or or, a, or an egg. Estrus. So during the estrus, ruminating over, like you ask uh, that J.K. Rowling, what are you planning? I plan to write a fictional story, and you know, it's about this uh, magic and all that. Oh. So what about your hero? So she has already thought about the hero, Harry Potter. And you know, she has a rough outline. In her consciousness, it exists simultaneously. But in unfolding, it takes succession. So what we call as past, present and future. It's like when we used to see serials, no, Ramayana. So you, you say, Aaj ke episode mein, today's episode. Are we know the whole Ramayana, it's not something new. But still people are looking forward to today's episode, how it will unfold. So at one level, you know, at another level it unfolds. So in the unfolding, you have past, present and future. But it is all at one another level predetermined. They are one image that our wills complacent into three schemes have cast. You see, when actors sign up, uh, you know, for a film. So what do they sign in for? They don't know all the dialogues that will come. So they are told you will have this kind of role and the film is a comedy and you will be a joker. Or oh, is it? Okay, fine. Or you are told the film is a, you know, whatever, fighting film and you will be a villain. Now somebody may say, oh, this is something I have never done, I want to do. Another person may say, no. But this villain and hero is only for a lifetime. It's not forever. The person whom you call as villain in your life today may become your hero in next life. So be careful, you know. Whom you call. It's a role playing. Don't take it so seriously. It's a role. That's all. So this is the whole story and the drama. So at one level, it's all together. And we have chosen for it. Our past that we forget is with us deathless. Our births and later end already accomplished. <laughs> so it's like the Gita. He tells, Sri Krishna tells Arjuna, you want to know what? Should I fight or not fight? Why? Because these fellows will die with my arrows. Sri Krishna says, oh, you will kill them. <laughs> then he tells, I have already killed them for your information. What? Yes, I have killed them. You want to come, be the instrument, be the instrument. But I have killed them. Now, if I have killed them, they are killed. See that vision of uh, Duryodhana, dream of Duryodhana, where he sees, he wants to tie Sri Krishna when he goes to the Kuru Sabha as Shanti Dut. And he wants to tie him. And he puts chains around the feet, tries to do that. And Sri Krishna shows him that, you know, this very thigh will get broken. This is all foreseen and it's all determined. 
people become instruments. So even Draupadi Chiraran is simply an episode. Shri Krishna has decided that these Kshatriyas have become too arrogant. But I have not come like Parshuram. If I come like Parshuram, I will take it back with a wild axe. I will destroy everybody. I have to show a higher way. So he hides the dreadful force of Kali inside and comes with sweet and smiling face of Krishna. And nobody suspects that here is none else but Mahakal, Mahakali, wearing a sweet and smiling face. So all the Asuras, they, they don't realize that it's a dreadful force of Kali hid behind. So Shubhindu used the word sweetness, dire. So he's come. So he has come in this way because he has to show the way of sweetness. That's why in the Gita, he doesn't destroy like Parshuram who says, I, I have taken upon myself to destroy all the Kshatriyas till a good Kshatriya comes. Shri Krishna doesn't do that. He lifts. Destruction is a part of life. But look at where he uplifts it to. Have no hatred inside. Have no malice. It's not the spirit. You cannot destroy the spirit. It's the uh, holiday of a fight and the form. Because these forms have become uh, obstacles in the way of the progress of march of mankind. So the entire narrative is different. So, But it's the same tremendous power which has come standing he has already come with that. So, but there has to be a means, reason. So, what was the reason? With Parshuram, it was slaying of his parents. But with Mahabharata, the reason was that Kauravas, in a fit of spate of arrogance, Pandavas having lost the thing, dies. Suddenly, they drag Draupadi to the Kuru Sabha and try to disrobe her. That day it was decided that now balance is tilted. That there is a dream dialogue of Sri with Niroda. It's a very beautiful book, not very uh, well known. Talks with Sri one of them, where it's an inner dialogue where he asks Sri why did you allow Draupadi to go through all this? He says, Oh, you don't understand. I've been trying to put some logic into your head with regard to the divine working. That was the incidence that ensured that Korvas will be finished. So that is how the end is already done. It unfolds. So what are we to do then? Shobinda says very beautifully, the sea is going to carry you that direction. That is the will. You can play at cross purposes with the will or you can be aligned to the will. So what happens when you play at cross purposes, when the current of the sea is in one direction, try swimming against, you will be broken and shattered. Try swimming upbeat, you will be supported and you will be delighted. This is the only difference. But eventually, the divine will will be fulfilled. Our past that we forget is with us deathless. Our births and later end already accomplished to a summit breathless. Sometimes our souls ascend. Sometimes we can glimpse it. It's only for a while because we, cannot, we are not supposed to live there all the time. If it is shown to us, then we will not be able to function here. That's why people who try to know the future by going to futurologists, they are trying to in a way interfere with God's plan. See, Mother and Shubhinda were not calling people and telling them the future. Then you are trying to interfere with the law of evolution. First, supposing you are told that your life is going to be horrible, whatever is meant by that, then you will die from today till that point. <laughs> If it is told it will be beautiful, then you will stop putting effort and therefore you will not fulfill the original thing. So there is a reason why human beings are not given foresight. Foresight comes when there is a 
development certain degree of development when you can be responsible when you will continue to act with nishkam karma even if you know there is certain defeat still you would continue to be whatever you are inspired to do deep within you will not give up an effort based on people want to know will i have success or not there is a reason why divine has concealed that from us so but if we are freed from the sting of you know failure defeat and then foresight awakens in man because then through nishkam karma one is prepared and then you are told this is going to be like arjuna is told this is going to be now you fight all these will die yet you fight to a summit breathless sometimes our souls ascend whence the mind comes back held for there emerges the ocean vast of time spread out before us with its infinite surges its symphony is sublime so time to time these splashes of the infinite we feel and why it gives us hope and then we advance see people who take up yoga people often say oh to sustain our faith we need some proof absolutely nonsense those who are born with faith even if everything is snatched from life they will continue to do yoga with redoubled vigor strangely <laughs> that's a strange paradox and you've seen in life i've seen that with people even if everything is taken away they take it as the grace of god and continue to work those who are not destined for yoga everything will be very good anybody else will say your life is such tremendous grace they will say no 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 that this this i can understand with my rational mind this according to this reason that reason because you're not yet destined for the journey but sometimes there are beings all of us who get a splash from the infinite then we take up this tremendous journey you can't take it otherwise if somebody is looking for a guarantee i will achieve this in 10 years 12 20 years mother says the more impatient and restless you are the longer it will take you have to go through many things and that's what will come subsequently when the mind comes back helped for there emerges the ocean vast of time spread out before us with its infinite surges its symphony sublime so when we come to ashram and we first time and we stand before mother and shobindo or bow down to the samadhi and we take it this is my life do you know what it means <laughs> you don't know what it means no you discover it there is a joy in that day joy in that <laughs> then he starts give me a robe of sin ah see i am a sadhu bachcha wait 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 give me a robe of virtue you are thinking you are a virtuous man i'll show you how virtuous you are i say bhagwan abhi to ekdam naked ho gaye abhi to apna lo i am naked before you take me the moment you say he takes you but if you try to hide it behind wearing nice clothes tilak tripund mala janeu he'll say abhi tu samjha nahi hai i'll start by rubbing the tilak off your forehead and cut the janeu lord dhoti to chhod do mala i look like a yogi acha you look like a yogi fool <laughs> come <laughs> then when you say lord आप ही मेरे गले से लग जाओ सो दिस इज हाउ यू नो बिकॉज बट बट ड्यूरिंग दैट मोमेंट वेन पीपल स्टार्ट द जर्नी डू दे इवन नो वॉट इट मीन्स बट येट्स दे इज ए प्रीविजन एज इफ येस दिस इज वॉट वी आर मेन टू बी 
and even from this veil of mind the spirit looks out sometimes and sees the bygone eons that our lives inherit the unborn centuries time to time it happens like mother describes that you know i remember one of her births she says when she and shurabindo came as the first humans she describes says it was very simple primitive humanity but very nice because it has not developed the mind so it is one with earth so the advantage of being with earth is you have no idea of sin and good and evil sin and virtue you go by the spontaneous urge inside but now we have lost that so that's why the fall adam and eve but we had to go through this phase that she described but that humanity respected nature it was in contact with nature so there are people who go back to that state because they are reconnecting with the past but this reconnection is ultimately also connected to the futures that's how they will see there is lot of people nowadays they talk about you know save earth and mother earth it's like a reconnection with a bygone past the early humanity was intimately connected with nature and earth it will never do anything that will harm and destroy earth it was inbuilt within the system like animal kind so now we are reconnecting indirectly with that bygone centuries but also through all this we want to have a dream of a beautiful earth so the bygone centuries and the future of course there is much more to it you can have a vision of the future you can know the past in the soul they are embedded past type memories have nothing to do with okay sit down and through hypnosis you will discover the day you come in contact with the soul and the nearer you draw you will begin to have glimpses time to time and these glimpses don't come like okay now let me discover my past life they'll come as flashes the mother describes uh, you know one of the places where she went to a uh, palace and suddenly everything came alive before her the king the everything in that place and few days back we were hearing this reminiscence of one of our <laughs> doctor friends how when he went to a place which is called as bhutaha place that place is all i've forgotten the name Uh, but all you know it's a ghost town and he goes into that and he got attracted to a kothi and he goes there and he says suddenly everything came alive the music the waters everything came alive for a moment and then he wanted to live there so he wanted to buy that place so he said okay i'll this is wonderful because he heard all that so at night he slept <laughs> he slept he saw the apparition of a woman all in white i don't know why they dress in white but anyways uh, she kind of you know he was very uncomfortable after that and uh, then next day he told about his friend the, the friends were keen to you know see the woman more than anything else so they also came but then this time it was just rustle of leaves and you know crying and then you know like they were all told look here twice you have done this don't do it again otherwise you people are going to have it <laughs> so this somewhere this exists in the memory of the earth it's not that that ghost means the soul was there but certain formations exist in the earth you can even retrieve them from earth memory shubhendra says if you hand over a um, a sword to someone who is a yogi he will know who has held it what deeds have been committed by it see now pen mother has used a card that she touched it is not just a relic like you know to be worshiped it is a power a pen that she has touched what does it mean 
it is something you know which is of infinite value because it has been held by her it will forever contain the impression you just can't do anything about it it's the touch of the eternal upon transient things so the memories are there always contained in some segment of the earth and sometimes there is a sudden disclosure the future is also there suddenly you experience that vastness that delight that something which the dream as if a dream has come true then the dream recedes but it has shown us a glimpse of what it will be like the bygone eons that are lies inherit the unborn centuries it sees wave trampled realms expel the ocean from the vague depths uphurled where now himalaya stands the floods huge motion sees measuring half the world oh this is so beautiful line i mean this just can this meditating lines it sees wave trampled realms expel the ocean i mean those realms from where the ocean it's not like ocean is expelling the waves expel the ocean from the vague depths uphurled from what depths these things have come up actually the story of sagar is literally like that actually the sagar you know the birth of ocean if you go into the indian mythology is the ganges which came and filled the depths that's why sagar is regarded as equivalent to ganges and is connected to the name of sagar so it has come from there splash what was the splash ganga wave upheld and what did it do expel the ocean so even there so many myths you can see in sometimes in one line from the vague depths upheld where now himalay stands that's where shiva stood dancing the floods huge motion sees measuring half the world this you see if you look at this story this four lines in one way i would look at it the story of the descent of ganges from what vague depths we can't even know immensities himalaya stands there it came and from there it went down 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 from gomuk drop by drop and it filled the ocean the story actually goes like that because when ganges descend there is no place it would drown the earth so this space has been created for the ganges to come down there's a whole story to that then she goes and fills half the world from where from where now himalaya stands look at how beautifully it's shubindo you know has this andaz of saying things i'll read it again look at this from that story point of view it sees wave trampled realms expel the ocean from the vague depths uphurled where now himalaya stands the floods huge motion sees measuring half the world equally you can connect it with the story of pralayas the floods huge motion half drowning the world these are actual stories one can remember the mother speaks about the pralaya but both ways when you look at it it is something amazing so pralaya also the clouds rain from depths which we don't know and the whole ocean is hurled upon the earth and there is an entire drowning where now himalaya stands all this was drowned and then it comes so either way you can look at it and it's so amazing that one can go back to memory in time mother speaks of six pralayas 
She has the memory. She says, I don't want it again. Because I know what it means. It means a lot of waste and labor. Or else the web behind us is unraveled and on its threads we gaze past motions of the stars long since scenes long since traveled in times far backward days. I mean for these things we can only go back to Mother and Shubindu's memories. What is the travel? I mean again, these are stories. Not that Shurabindu is thinking of a story and putting it here. This particular, these lines remind me of Shurabindu's coming to the south as Rishi Agast. You know that story of Rishi Agast is, he is, uh, Shiva is getting married. So everybody is going there. All the gods, goddesses, titans, sages, seers. So Shiva says, you know, this is a problem. If all of you come here, there will be an imbalance. So what to do, how to counter it? He says, Agastya, you go to the south at least. So what does Agastya do? Rishi Agastya, he crosses the Vindhya and we know the story. And he comes to what is today, Puducherry, and which was Vedapuri in ancient times. And the place where the Samadhi now is, the square area, it is supposed to have been the Yagnavedi of Rishi Agastya. This is as per Amrita and Nalnida's account. So, up now, if you go into history, nobody can tell you these things. But she knew. So, if she has said it, so it must be. So, look at this. Or else, the web behind us is unraveled and on its threads we gaze. In Savitri, there is a line, even the purpose of her motion was not new. And then mother says, when I came and met Shurabindo, Finally, 1920, she says, we were standing together and she was just by his side and she had this question, will it happen this time? They have been striving for this since lives. Will it happen this time? And she says, Shurabindo simply said yes and she saw the supermind touch the earth first time. So she speaks about it in the power of word. So suddenly, the web of time is unraveled and you see what was at the core or else the web behind us is unraveled and on its threads we gaze past motions of the stars scenes long since travelled in times far backward days and in this life also we see Shurabindu coming from north and he was known as Uttar Yogi so this is the story and the one upshot of this poem beautiful poem is very simply Somebody would say, how are you sure about the supramental and all this, that it will happen, the supramental manifestation? Uh, Mother said in, you know, 29th February 1956, there is supramental manifestation. Uh, what is the certainty? So, my answer is, the answer is in the question. What is the question? Mother said, do we need any other proof? Are we capable even of seeing in the future? Here are two luminous beings, <laughs> leave the avatar and other respects, maybe personal. Two luminous beings who several times, so many proofs, evidences where they could see the past and the future. So if Shurabindu says so, so the very simple answer. Let the rationalist and analytics, uh, uh, Cambridge Analytica believe, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that no, 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 uh, this is not an answer, this you are a believer. Let them say that. 
see only one sentence which has tremendous power in it. What is the proof that supermind has descended? Mother says so. What is the proof there will be a new creation? Shobindo says so. That's it. And leave it at that. Isn't it so beautiful? Of course it can be logically explained. That's not the point. But for logic, the problem is every logic that you give, there will be a counter logic. Something will always, you know, there are people who uh, believe in two critical people, analytical people. You give them the best of things. They will see, but you know, that is not good. Critical mind. There is another kind where you give the worst and they will say, Are ye achachis. <laughs> but it's, be, it's something obviously future is beyond logic. There is no way you can convince anybody that future will be what? No science, no logic, no analysis can tell you. It is only if you trust that there is something called as intuition and there are beings who manifested intuition that you can actually say it. By no amount, cephalogists, we all know what happens. 1900 people never predicted Spanish flu and the world wars. Imperialism, nothing. Let's understand the limitations of the human mind. That question is futile because it's being addressed to a uh, faculty which doesn't have the answer but it will fail to have the answer. Imagine in our schools, uh, we had some excellent professors, I am sure all of us had physics and chemistry and biology. And if you ask them, sir, tell me what's going to happen to me tomorrow? <laughs> so I had this incidence with which we can stop somebody. So one doctor told a lady, she's very depressed. So she was sent to me for depression. I said, why are you so depressed, ma? So she says, you know... I went, took my child to a doctor and so what happened? He said he has maximum one year to live. I said, oh, is it so? Huh? Please ask the doctor how many years he has more to live. <laughs> Are you, you may have one year, that's not the point. But why do you want to play prognostications? Shubhinda says, to prognosticate. Who are us to, we to say how many days, months, years, whatever it is there. Leave it to the divine will. That's not the purview of doctors. The doctor has to treat. He can say probability. Nobody can say with certainty. So let's not play God. But there is a state of consciousness according to yoga where we can have the Trikal Darshita. And Shubhindo had it in the records of yoga. Whenever he has the Trikal Drishti, writes as a T3. And he has written shorthand for Trikal Drishti. Time triple vision. And we have that in Savitri. He has himself written T3 is for triple time, triple time vision. So he could see it. So he saw the future. Very simple as that. That's why the mother said, Shurabindo is the future advancing towards its own realization. He's the luminous future. He brings toward the luminous future, the message from the future. Because he knew humanity is going through a crisis. It has to be told something. Not told for the sake of telling, but what he could see. And he saw and he and mother together accomplished. That is the future they have revealed to us. And at an individual level, we can equally say at our chinna chinna individual level, that all of us who have come to mother and Shobindo, people sometimes have doubts and they are besieged with, oh, I have this difficulty, that difficulty. They should remember, it's not we who have come. Excuse me, mother who has called us. <laughs> we may falter, we, may, we are fools, we may not know whether we are fit or unfit. But she has called us. That's why we have the urge for yoga. And if she has called us, she knows. Stumbling, fumbling, bumbling, mumbling, sans grumbling, we will reach. 
because she has seen and therefore she has called so this quickly we'll just read this poem rebirth not soon is god's delight in us completed nor with one life we end termlessly in us are our spirits seated a termless joy intend our souls and heaven are of an equal stature and have a dateless birth the unending seed the infinite mold of nature they were not made on earth nor to the earth do they bequeath their ashes but in themselves they last an endless future brims beneath thy lashes child of an endless past it's so liberating us from all those uh, i am somebody's child somebody's husband somebody's wife so liberating old memories come to us these are roles by the way huh old memories come to us old dreams invade us lost people we have known fictions and pictures but their frames evade us they stand out bare alone yet all we dream and hope our memories treasured our forecasts we misspell but of what life or scene he who has measured the boundless heavens can tell time is a strong convention future and present we are living in the past they are one image that our wills complacent into three schemes have cast that's why in yoga sometimes they get compressed and it can be very disorienting because things which are meant for another life they come things which are to be sorted out from the past life they also come now if you try to you know live within those frames and try to say no 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 okay fine hold on delay so they will come to us because the future and past are getting compressed that's what yoga compressed evolution means this many things which we were to sort out maybe in lives 10 lives you, know, you see it's very good to read yoga means compressing the progress of 10 lives in one lifetime in one year imagine what it means to compress like ruru and pramadwara half life it means all the experiences of all the kind of things you have to not compress within a short span of time so this what it means our past that we forget is with us deathless a births and later end already accomplished to a summit breathless sometimes our souls ascend whence the mind comes back helped for there emerges the ocean vast of time spread out before us with its infinite surges its symphonies sublime shirsagar and even from this veil of mind the spirit looks out sometimes and sees the bygone eons that our lives inherit the unborn centuries it sees wave trampled realms expel the ocean from the vague depths uphurled where now himalaya stands the floods huge motion sees measuring half the world or else the web behind us is unraveled and on its threads we gaze past motions of the stars like the past motion of the stars whatever was happened stars are the witness so you know we have gotten past motions of the stars scenes long since travel in times far backward days namaste